This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Right now, though, we're going to have a conversation that I think should be very interesting. Um, We're talking about Russia and the situation there and the impact that it's having globally. And you know that we're in a spot uh, where we are right now. The first time you had to fill up, um, the point was very clear. We're dealing with an energy crisis. Uh, The price of oil came down a bit this week, down a little bit, still about 100 bucks though. Now, um, gas prices soaring, record levels across North America. You know all about that. And, you know, we've talked about this before on the air, all the aspirational promises and all the goals that politicians have made and campaigned on to win votes have crashed headlong into reality. Hey, guess what? We still rely on oil and gas, and we will for some time. So maybe it's time to take a step back from a lot of our wants and a lot of our goals and all the things that we talk about and say, okay, but where are we right now and how do we make sure we don't get ourselves into trouble? Because guess what? I think a lot of people would agree we're in trouble. We're going to talk now with uh, Donna Kennedy-Glantz, who is Alberta's former Associate Minister of Electricity and Renewable Energy, also the author of Teaching the Dinosaur to Dance, Moving Beyond Business as Usual. Uh, Donna, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you, Shay. It's a pretty big topic, so it's huge. I'm glad we're talking about it. But you know what? It's something we should have been talking about long ago, Donna. Instead of retreating into camps and getting entrenched and yelling and screaming at each other, we should have been talking about this a long, long time ago, really. Well, we've been trying to talk about energy transition and how we bring renewables and non-renewables together ever since I was in government yeah. in, in 2012. That's been the topic, but you're right. It was one discussion in one camp and another discussion in another camp and and very little crossover. And everybody is you know attached to their ideas. Yeah. And, and there's a pretty healthy dose of ideology here, too. I am a big fan of integration. I think that that renewables and non-renewables do have to work together, and I also think hydrocarbons are essential for us to do an energy transition to a decarbonized world. I think that's part of the flow, but we've got to be more practical, and I feel like we've just been stuck in um, kind of theory instead of real. I'm a farmer's daughter. Uh, Let's get real. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I've been yelling and screaming about this for a while. It's sort of, okay, I'm with you on all the transition and everything, but what am I going to do about this weekend when, when it's going to get really, really cold? What's our plan? <laughs> I mean, we, we still need to deal with what's right in front of us. Where we are now with what's going on, do you think this will be a big enough shock? I mean, it's the politicians that we need to start with, right, to say, okay, you know what? We need to dial back some of this rhetoric and promise-making and say, yeah, we're all still committed to these goals and these futures, but in the meantime, we still have to take care of it. Will this be a big enough shock to bring that discussion back to earth? I believe so. And that's why I wrote that piece for the Globe and Mail this week. It, it, it's, it's very easy, frankly, to hold politicians' feet to the fire when gasoline prices go up or when electricity yeah. prices go up. Believe me, people phone the offices of politicians and they scream. That's a, a retail politics issue and it is a lever. So, you know, now we've got people, you know, the the governments in Europe, uh, particularly Germany, coming to us saying, you guys 
you in Canada have got all these resources. You've got natural gas that you haven't even started to export. We need natural gas. We need LNG. You know, you'd think that would be an incredible opportunity for a federal leader to say, you know what, we really need to look at that discussion again in Canada. It's it's not about Alberta. Gas is across the country and pipelines can go, you know, east and west. It doesn't need to be about Alberta. But that's just a smart reaction. And frankly, if if you're if you really are an ally and you're in NATO and you really care about people sitting in Germany right now who do not know where they're going to get energy if they cut off oil and natural gas from Russia, how are they going to run their industries, how are they going to heat their homes, that would actually be something that an ally would do, in my opinion. Makes sense. Makes sense. We've got an interesting dynamic, though, because like we talk about this as if the government's are the ones producing um, the fuel. And now they've got all kinds of regulations and rules around it that make it easy or hard. But ultimately, it's industry that will make these decisions, you know, based in some part at least uh, on what government does. But it's industry that has to get involved here too, right? Absolutely. And that that was part of my question is, you know, we could plunk this all on the shoulders of politicians. And and while that is tempting, um, because there is pressure to bear right now, there's also a question about what is the corporate role now. And, and as you mentioned in your, your lead-in, lots of companies are making ESG commitments. They're making very ambitious commitments to net zero decarbonization plans, especially on the energy side. So what does that look like? How do we move forward? I think they have a role to play. I, I think we've seen in the United States where Biden has gone to some of the shale producers and said, you know, crank it up. And they've said, well, actually, some of our shareholders want their money back and they've been sitting around, you know, earning very little for the last little while. So we're going to keep them happy, too. So it's it's an interesting relationship between government and the energy players. It It, it isn't as cozy as some people would envision. But what will companies do? What can they do? We loaded up Trans Mountain Pipeline with so much political risk because of the regulatory process that companies walked away from it and ended up that the government had to backstop it. Keystone, you know, has the same scent around it. These are problems. So some of that is about government easing the way and government saying out loud, you know what, not just at a provincial level, but at a, at a federal level, at a municipal level, saying we support LNG. Good Lord, in Europe, in Europe, in green Europe, at year end, they said natural gas and nuclear qualified as green investments. I mean, we are really becoming a bit precious here, in my opinion, again. Now, I, I, I have a hard time arguing with you about, I think, now, like you say, we hear, you know, the, on, on the, um, the production side or on the, uh, the hydrocarbon side, we know they've been trying to sell the message of, hey, we're still a factor and we can still work together with you on this. They've been forced into that situation, I think. Are you seeing any movement on the other side? It seems to me like that's, I'm still getting texts from some people saying, you know what, we, we, can't, we can't backtrack on all of our environmental gains and we can't, um, is there going to be somebody out there who can stand up and say, you know what, we need to be a little more realistic in where we're headed and how fast we want to go? It's an interesting question, and I'm watching for it too, Shay. I I don't see it coming out of the federal government. The only crack in the armor that I've seen, and I'm really watching, 
is when Justin Trudeau had a telephone conversation, and it's probably now two, two and a half weeks ago with the, the German uh, leader, and, and, you know, there was much talk about how we were going to help Germany in the fight against climate change, which is important to sure. all of us. I'm, I'm not mocking that. I sound a little bit mocking, but I'm not. But there was a hint about LNG. I, I suspect that at some point in time, I mean, companies, countries are looking to Australia. Australia, you know, drilled up natural gas after it put in place its LNG facilities. We, meanwhile, have vast reserves, proven reserves of natural gas. And, and, you know, one project after another just fell away because there was not support for it. So I think there does need to be some kind of pragmatic response. And maybe that is the wedge. There's a lot of decarbonization planning going on mm-hmm. right now, and hydrogen work is actually it's 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 viable. You can put your hands around it now. And on the oil side, the oil sands, the you know we're seeing oil sands now going into the Gulf of Mexico, into those refineries, and they're it's being re-exported out of the United States. So, you know we're. We've got something that people do want, and we yes, we have to work at decarbonization, and I think most companies who say they want to do that are going to be held accountable to do that. So it's it's not like we're ignoring this. I, I feel like it's not black and white. We are on a trajectory that, you know, we are responding to yeah. climate change, but we can't do it tomorrow. We can't do it alone. And the consequences for Europe and, you know, look at countries like Poland and Hungary. I mean, they run on coal. Um, it's, it's in our interest to help everybody find solutions who's motivated. And I think there's a lot of motivation on the table that wasn't here six weeks ago. So yeah. let's work with that. Absolutely. Uh, great message. I appreciate you so much joining us today. Uh, thank you uh, for your, your thought on this. And I, I, I agree with you. I really and truly do. Well, I hope your listeners um, enjoy the book, too, Teaching the Dinosaur to Dance. There's, there are lots of dinosaurs in Alberta, so we've got good experience here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Donna, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Shay. Bye-bye. That is Donna Kennedy-Glanz, who is Alberta's former Associate Minister of Electricity and Renewable Energy and the author of Teaching the Dinosaur to Dance, Moving Beyond Business as Usual. And business as usual means different things to different people, I would think. I haven't read the book. I'm going to. Um, But I think it depends on which camp you're in. As we started the interview talking about the different camps that we retreat to when we talk about these sorts of things. And business as usual, there's a playbook that we follow. And neither of them work, right? They just don't. Uh, when, when we get into the area of, well, this is my position and I'm not budging. And, well, this is my position and I'm not budging. And then, okay, and we end up in a mess like this. Compromise and working on, okay, well, this is the reality. And we can, we can meet some of your goals and we can work in the direction that you want us to work. But at the same time, let's make sure that we're not, you know, cutting off our nose to spite our face. And take a look at where we are right now. Take a look at the situation we're seeing right now. Um, where it's a full-on energy crisis like we haven't seen in 50 years. How did we get here? Well, there's a school of thought that says we put ourselves here by sort of abandoning um, some of the things that we had at hand in the interest of where we wanted to be in the future. 